1: The Washington Wizards, who began the season 17 and 32, who everybody had written off, myself included, and my guest included, by the beginning of April, by well before the beginning of April, they're going to the playoffs. They got the number eight seed. They secured it on Thursday night with just an absolute demolition of the Pacers, 142 to 115, and honestly, the game didn't feel as close as the score. They just destroyed them. Uh, starting really in the second quarter, uh, it was exactly like every other Wizards Pacers game this season where Westbrook got to the hole, Bill got to the hole, they killed him in transition, they killed him getting to the paint. Basically, everybody played well. Uh, you know, Berton's missed threes again. Uh, other than that, everybody played well. And the Wizards just, after a game where they played a really disappointing game and they all admitted it against Boston, they come out and Look completely different against Indiana, who I've said I've referred to as a matchup nightmare about 12 different times over the last two months. And I guess the Wizards 4-0 record against Indiana proves that. The Wizards are a matchup nightmare for the Pacers, and the Pacers season is over. And the Wizards are playing the 76ers in the first round of the playoffs. And recording with me at 12.15 in the morning after that thriller of a game is the one, the only the only person who stays up past midnight to come on this podcast, Ben standing.
2: It's uh, Wizards during dark. <laughs> wizards
1: through dark. That's through what dark. I should do. Uh, I should change should change the preposition for every episode. Give it a new preposition. Wizards between dark after that.
2: Uh sure. <laughs> uh it is uh yeah, I mean, I don't know what you're talking about. I always believed that, that the Wizards would figure out a way to make the playoffs. <laughs> I never, never doubted it. Um, you know, well, I, you know, I don't know what to say about the rest of you. Um, Clearly, yeah. I mean, I, I think the craziest part was like how it was so for such a big game for what it was like, not just to make the playoffs, but if they lose, you have to answer a whole bunch of questions about the future of this franchise that they at least now can delay for a bit. And it was so anticlimactic because the game was such a romp. It's not e- like even if there's like a 20 point game, you know, when the other team gets it down to like 14 at once or twice or go, oh boy, th- th- this wasn't even within like 30.
1: No, no. I mean, the, the Wizards were up. They were up 38 at one point. I mean, you know, the Pacers went on. The Pacers run was what brought it down to being only a 27-point game, you know? The starters, Scott Brooks pulled the starters with seven minutes left. Seven minutes left. That's how much they were winning by. Seven minutes left in an elimination game. It was like, "Ah, nah, no need to play this. No need to play Beal and Westbrook. I mean, Beal played 28 minutes in the elimination game. That's how much they just wrecked them. I thought everybody played well. I I thought I thought the centers were really the story. I mean honestly, even Wizards Twitter's favorite player Alex Len, I thought came out, I thought he played very well defensively on Sabonis, who was great when he was on the floor, but he was in foul trouble all night and uh and he fouled out. I I thought Len did a good job. You know, Lopez came in and he played he didn't even play in the second half, I don't think. He comes in in the first half and just goes on a run where they're feeding him the post every freaking time, and he's hitting every hook shot. And Gafford was incredible. I mean, Gafford was—he really saved one of his best games of the season for for the most important one. He was great.
2: Yeah, I mean, he he was. I thought that you know, Scott Brooks post game said that like every player had like it's not so much that the, that the team had specific runs and like every player had like a five or six minute personal run where they did a lot of really good things. And that that's what like you need, of course, of a game. And it felt like he was kind of right. It felt like everybody had a moment or, or, or two or three where they really stood out. You mentioned Len, um, you know, so many, you know, H- Hashimura did, uh, Robin Lopez, you mentioned Gafford, obviously. And then of course the, the stars. So uh. Yeah, and look, we, we talked about this a bunch of the last podcast. For whatever the reason, Russell Westbrook was not, you know, he, he was not fully charged um, in that game. This one was the opposite, and I, the team responded, I think, in turn. This is what we've seen all year. It's not – it doesn't seem like it's that complicated of a scenario. Russell Westbrook comes, comes hot. The team uh, follows suit. And, yeah, they, um, you know, collectively had a much better uh, – Showing not just production wise, but you know, energy wise, and everything.
1: Yeah, I mean, the amazing thing about Westbrook, and I say it all the time, is you know he can have a twenty five, fifteen, and fifteen game, and you could be like, he eh, this wasn't a good Westbrook game. And then tonight he has eighteen and eight and fifteen, which is obviously a very gaudy line for a normal player. But of late, it's not really very eye popping to see Westbrook get eight, eighteen, eight, and fifteen. But I thought he was excellent tonight. I thought he was great. I thought he controlled the offense. He set the tone. First play of the game, he gets to the hoop. He kicks for Howell Neto for a three. Right there. I mean, the Wizards made more threes in the first, like, seven minutes of this game than they made in the entire Boston game. And this entire game was going to be about getting to the paint. And, man, the Pacers' defense is so soft. It is so... You know, you look at the numbers, it's not as bad as the eye test tells you. But then you see the eye test, you see them defend, and it's like, man, they just... They just let you get to the rim, and and their coverages push you to the middle, and that makes a lot of sense when Miles Turner's there, and when Miles Turner isn't there, it's just like if you have a dynamic guard who can get to the rim, and the Wizards have two of them, and the defense is helping you get to the middle, it's like, and they're they're getting met with you know, big men who aren't Miles Turner. It, all of a sudden, it turns into exactly what the Wizards have done to them all year, which is they just absolutely destroy them they just they they killed them this year i mean russell westbrook had 15 assists in this game and it tied his season low against the pacers that's that's insane against the pacers this year (laughs) you know he had he had a 24 assist game a 21 assist game and and two 15 assist games because he's just getting to the rim and he's creating and and i thought beal just looked more fluid. I don't know if he's healthier. He wasn't talking after the game. He said he wasn't talking after the game. Like he was any different physically. I thought he moved better. I thought he took off better. He obviously threw down that dunk that ended up with the epic picture of Westbrook with Beal hanging on the rim in the background, which was an incredible screen back grab from the broadcast. Uh, And uh, if you haven't seen that, go look that up. It's all over social media and it's, it's really an amazing freeze frame. Uh, But but I, I just thought I thought Beal moved better, and and the Pacers have a way of giving guards a little more flight. But, um, you know, on top of that, they, they were just they were good. They played, they both played extremely well.
2: Yeah, for for sure. Um, during the uh, game, once especially once it became so apparent, um, there would be a positive uh, post game. I sent out a tweet about asking people for questions, um, and I only bring this up because. Almost all the questions have to do with the next series, which we haven't discussed, or we're actually, to the next series, but the actual playoff series that the Wizards are now uh, getting themselves in. Okay, Ben, um, Ben, I'm
1: handing the podcast to you for the rest of this episode. Wow! Because um, I, I literally haven't looked at one of the questions. So you're you're the host. Well, I'm, I'd I'm, like to I'm thank guest, everybody. Host it, run the questions. You host the podcast. You know how to do this.
2: I'd like to thank everybody for this honor. I'm not really sure what to say, but I appreciate it. Um, so, everything is about the next game, and all the, all the questions or most of them really kind of have to do with the same uh, basic premise. Um, I could pick any of them, but we'll just start with well, we'll we'll start with, with with this from at Weasel Armor which big is best suited to take on Embiid for extended minutes? And and every question on some level, it feels like is some version of how on earth are the wizards going to stop Joel Embiid as good as the centers were tonight. um, uh, You know, it's one thing going up against what Indiana has nothing to go up against the guy who, you know, probably finishes second in the MVP voting. But that said, specifically, I guess if you had to pick one guy for extended minutes, um, where would you go?
1: I mean, it's a good question. It I, I understand why it's the most common question. It's it's the question. It's the number one thing I wonder. Uh I could see Gafford seriously struggling with fouls against him. I could see Lopez seriously struggling on the perimeter against him. Uh I could see Len struggling. I think they're all gonna struggle. He's Joel Embiid. I think my answer would be Lopez. If I'm not wrong, I think Lopez has is, is a little success making him uncomfortable just because I think Lopez is going to be the best post defender against him. And if, there's, if Embiid is shooting jumpers, the guy is an amazing mid-range jump shooter. He is an amazing face-up guy. He's had a hell of a year shooting threes. There is no optimal way for him to go against you. But him in the post scares me more than anything. And I think Lopez is the best post defender, technically, of any of those guys. And he's got more brawn than any of those guys to just match how absolutely massive of a human being Embiid is. But look, ultimately, what it's going to come down to is is not who defends him the best individually. It's going to come down to how well the Wizards team defense, how how the Wizards play team defense on possessions that he has the ball in the post. Because they're going to double him. They always double him, and they they try different types of double teams against him. They try hard doubles. They try soft doubles. They try doubles where guys come around from the weak side when his back is turned and somebody tries to slide in from the baseline and poke the ball away. They try, they try all different kinds of doubles against Embiid, and, and they've actually done an okay job in terms of that. If you're gonna disrupt beat, it's gonna be because he is prone to turning it over when he gets doubled in the post, and he's a lot better at that now than he used to be. But that's the closest thing to an offensive weakness that he has still. And so you have to be really confident, really decisive, and you have to play incredible, elite, uh, and 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 intuitive and communicative team defense in those moments. Otherwise you're just going to end up with Embiid kicking out and you're going to end up with Tobias Harris shooting wide open corner threes all game. And obviously that's going to go horribly for you. So it's an extremely difficult proposition, but I would say Lopez is, I think Lopez would be the best. I could easily be wrong. Embiid is insane. You know, sometimes these things are just unpredictable and maybe Len ends up the best. Maybe Gafford ends up the best because of his athleticism because it disrupts him. But I would just not say Gafford because of the fouls. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I'd say Lopez, but look, like if they want any success, it's got to be basically perfect team defense. I know. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I think there's, I think, uh, uh, okay, so I'll just say, I think they're screwed. By that, I just mean there is no answer to the question because I think for the reasons you said, Gafford, for sure, but as we saw, in the, you know, as we've seen, he the, the Hildreth Hilders get getting foul trouble, seemingly, and Lopez. Yeah, it makes sense from, like, a size standpoint. But, you know, athletically, you know, he's going to be challenged in some ways. And Len is, you know, kind of just what he is. So there is nothing – there is nobody that I would feel particularly good at for an extended stretch. And you're just going to have to hope that, like you said, that, you know, whoever's out there can hold up enough. And with team defense, you know, they, they, they catch um, they, they, they catch a break or two. Um, ironically, you know, obviously, look, the in a perfect world, the Wizards have – some type of a, of, of a one have one have, have some sort of one center who could do the job you know maybe sort of the way a, a you know Gortat did a few years ago when he was here in, in general but ironically and, and sort of uh, the fact that they have the three centers all of whom play is almost sort of like the best case scenario if you're not gonna have that in that you have three guys who've all played obviously for a, you know a, a long time it's not just like well a team has 18 fouls but one guy never plays. Like, no, all these guys do play. So, like, the question that um, at A-X-H-A-N-E-99 asked, is it safe to assume that the three-center rotation will be here to stay in the playoffs? And I would say as much as we all talked about, "Eh, it seems likely that maybe one of them fades off. I think it's definitely here to stay in this series because, as we're saying, I don't think any one of the three is really going to be great. The 18 foul thing is going to be legitimately in play. And you're just gonna have to figure out how to cobble something together over the course of 48.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. Courtside seats to an NBA game and more. Head over to slash courtside to learn more.
1: They might actually use all 18 fouls too. <laughs> they like, yeah, they might just start destroying him. Yeah. I mean, you're that that's a good point. That's a good point. I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, the, the three center rotation, if the three, if they use the three center rotation against the Pacers in an elimination game, they're using it in game one against Joel Embiid they're using it in an elimination game they're using it i don't know why people keep continue to think that they're just going to go away from it randomly when every single indication is they're using it they've started alex lennon like 28 consecutive games they're
2: using yeah, I mean it. certainly not yeah, if he if brooks didn't go away from it with like the last game or two of the regular season or or these playing games he's not you know this is what this is what they're doing and, you know like we're saying I mean, I mean tonight
1: was as do or die as you can get tonight was your Your entire life is on the line. Your season is on the line. You have to play. It's the equivalent of a game seven in terms of how you coach it. You have to play what gives you the best chance tonight, and nothing in the future matters. That's how you have to coach that game, and they ran a three-center rotation. That is what they are going to do in the playoffs too. It has to be. Um, that's
2: for, for sure all right another question here from at from at the moes m-o-e-e-z simple question but big picture D- do do we as in the wizards have any hope whatsoever for this philly series i mean you know we, the, we, we're talking about the center situation but obviously right yeah russell westbrook and bradley beal are gonna be matched up against you know with ben simmons out there um you know i, I think that w- uh, Tybull is going to be a fascinating defensive matchup as he is you know with, with him and Simmons you have two of the better defensive guards out there and you know that that that's going to be not not necessarily shut down the Wizards' tandem, but it you know probably limits their ceiling perhaps at least a little bit maybe I don't know we'll see um and then you know the, the Tobias, Tobias Harris thing is Davis Bertans going to actually start he did make a couple threes late but he looked a little bit off these last, uh, you know, two games. Is there who is that random player? If the Wizards are going to pull something out that that can actually, you know, spark? Like, w- what's it going to take? But ultimately, the answer may just be Philly has too much. I keep making the joke, although it's serious, that the Wizards might have the second and third best player in the series. But don't ask me about four through ten. So, uh, what? What say you? Do, do the Wizards have any hope whatsoever to beat Philly in this series?
1: I mean, n- no. When was the last time that, a one, that an eight beat a one? Must have been the, the Derrick Rose series where Philadelphia beat Chicago, but Derrick Rose tore his ACL in game one. I mean, there's a caveat for all of these eights that beat ones. I guess the last time it happened without some sort of extraordinary injury must have been the We Believe Warriors beat the Mavs, and that was 07. So it really. It doesn't happen. You could sneak a game or two. You could push them, but it, it, it's not really a thing that happens. So I, I'm, I'm not saying the Wizards are going to win this series, but they've been playing well, and Westbrook and Beale are capable of, either is capable of winning a game on his own. What I'm curious about is what the defensive matchups are going to look like for Philly because Philly is the best defensive team in the Eastern Conference. That's why they ended up number one. They are the best defensive team in the East. I mean, look at the defenders on that team. I put Ben Simmons second for defensive player of the year. Joel Embiid is a defensive player of the year caliber defender. I mean, he's extraordinary. Tyball. I didn't have Tyball on all defense. I gave him serious consideration. If he had played a, I gave him serious consideration. I don't know who was the first guy off of my ballot. He might have been. He was on the spreadsheet. He's on a lot of other people's all-defensive teams, and I have no problem with that. He's an excellent defender. Danny Green is still not 100% of what we know as Danny Green, but still extremely reliable. Tobias Harris can do stuff. Dwight Howard protects the rim really well. I mean, they have so many good defensive players and so many different guys are going to be able to throw at Westbrook and throw at Beal and make them uncomfortable. Uh, and then, you know, we talked about how Westbrook and Beal dominate the Pacers because of the way that team is constructed without Miles Turner. They let you get to the rim, and then they have nowhere at the rim, no one at the rim to defend you. Well, Philly doesn't let you get to the rim. And then when you do get to the rim, Joel Embiid is there, who is absolutely absurd protecting it. So I just, I, I, think, Philly is, I think Philly is really, really good. Clearly, they're the number one seed, but they're like, I think they're they're really good. They they could be a monster that 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 defense is so stout. It is so stout. And I just I don't know. I don't I don't see it. It's really tough.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to see how that gets done. Um, for historic historic reasons and just the individual matchup between already struggle how do you stop Embiid and then the fact that Philly has these perimeter defenders that, you know, will, it, it, like I said, in theory, at a minimum sort of cap the Wizards, guards, upside, that that, that makes for a tough challenge. But uh, l- last question, because I know we need to uh, to go. Um, This one's from a, uh, a from a, at Ted Leone says, this might be a fake tweet, though I'm not sure, I can't really tell. This might be a fake tweet I just made up in my head. Um, <laughs> What what, if they do if they don't win this series, if if my team doesn't win this series, what will I need to see to continue the status quo? Because that is that is the other question that you and I were getting is well, what happens with everything else that's going on here? So, like, you know, okay, they made it this far, and I don't we don't know definitively whether or not if they had lost this game, if that would have meant they were going to make big changes or not. But okay, then now they're in this series. If they win it, obviously, you would think, well, obviously, you're going to stay with the with the group but what do you think it would take to avoid to to have ted Leontis uh stay with what's going on here
1: well ted first off thank you for listening to the podcast
2: it's really uh, big, you know big big big, big fan of i personally <laughs> like wizards between dark but you know
1: <laughs> wizards amongst dark uh Well, am I answering as if I'm getting into character and I'm being Ted Leonsis and I'm trying to I'm trying to answer as if what Ted would do or just answer with my my personal thoughts?
2: Uh, It's late. I would just go with your own voice and cadence. But, you know, take this. Take the fake question I just made up very seriously.
1: I mean, I, I wouldn't let a playoff series, a first round playoff series as an eight seed decide whether or not I keep somebody. That's what I would say. I would keep somebody if I think they're a good coach for a good team and whether or not you beat the Philadelphia 76ers shouldn't really play a part in it. I think they've had Scott Brooks for five years. They have had him with this roster for one year. They've seen how he coaches them when they're not good, when they're 17 and 32. They've seen how he coaches them when they are good, when they're 17 and six. They've seen how the players respond to him. They've seen how the locker room responds to him. They've seen his game strategy. Whether they get swept by a more talented team or they put up a great fight against a more talented team or they somehow beat a more talented team. I mean, I just, I don't see, unless something extraordinary happens in the series, which is beyond, you know, the realm of what we're considering realistic, you know, I I just... I feel like your minds whether you want to bring them back or you don't want to bring them back like it should be to me that's good process it should be made up by now so i wouldn't let a first round playoff series in a 1 versus 8 matchup in one that we agree is is not a great matchup for them either like i they don't have an ideal mb defender not that necessarily one exists but you know what i mean i just i wouldn't let that impact My uh, my choice on a first round series. Now, look, if they make, you know, the Easter Conference finals or something, then, you know, of course. But we're talking about within the realm of realistic possibilities, you know. So Uh, that's my personal thoughts.
2: Keen listeners are aware right now. And I think everybody, I'm sure, had the same reaction I did when Fred said a certain thing, which basically said that when it comes to evaluating the situation, it isn't just about this series against Philadelphia. In fact, what Ted Leonsis needs to do is trust the process.
1: <laughs> you know, it's interesting, which I should I should dig up this quote. I Ted Ted, Ted Leons is about two and a half years ago. He did a press conference when the Wizards played that game in London. This was January of 2019. And he did a media scrum with the media who went all the way out to London to go to the game. This was the day that he had the quote saying, we will never, ever tank. And before he said, we will never, ever tank, uh, he talked about how he didn't think the process worked because they lost so many. You know what? I don't want to misquote him. I'm going to find this because I wrote about it that night. And I was thinking about that today and just how it's, uh, you know, now it's now it's we will never, ever tank versus the process, you know? And it's just yeah. it's just the juxtaposition of that quote. I'm going to find this right now.
2: I'm for, for what it's worth, podcast. maybe if, if during one of the other uh, podcasts we do in the series, um, like the idea of the process um, to the people who think it didn't work or whatever, you are nuts. It totally worked. It worked. I mean, you could argue that like they did a couple things. Like it was just like just so negative for the fans. I get that, but. You end up with Embiid and Simmons and you're the one seed. This is the whole point, <laughs> that you, you take as many shots as you can to try to get guys like that. And then you go from there. And the fact that it, you know, if Embiid and Simmons have been as good as they've been and they are in this position, obviously, you know. It, it, in other words, if they go through this and the, the Nets knock them down for Giannis does, okay, it is what it is. But they, they are in position. They are in more of a position to win the NBA title than the Wizards have been in 40 years. And that is the point of the process.
1: Here was the quote from Leonsis. This was January of twenty nineteen. We just played Philadelphia, and they have shoes that say "Trust the Process," and they were really, really bad for seven years. It wasn't seven years; it was less than that. I looked when we beat them at home last week, and they had two guys they beat in the first, and they had two guys they picked in the first round in the lineup that process is pretty risky in and of itself. And I don't think you can tell players, coaches, staff, don't make the playoffs and tank. We will never, ever tank. Uh, and so it's it's the perfect juxtaposition of that quote. It's we will never, ever tank versus the process. It's an, it's an interesting uh, clash of philosophies.
2: It is. And one of them is right, and one of them is the other one. But, um, you know, look, it's noble to... Say we will never ever tank and then you do things like not trade Jeff Green and Trevor Reza the deadline accordingly and don't get assets back and there you go. Um but in any event, um we are gonna end the podcast uh since I am still running the show because Fred has things to do and write my um, I'd story. like to Yeah, Fred Fred's busy. Satisfied go... the readers.
1: Uh wait, I... before before we wrap, uh I just wanna remind the listeners that the Athletic is having a $1 a month deal right now and you can get it if you just go to my social media and like you go to my Twitter you don't have to be on Twitter to do this but just go to my Twitter and you can click on any of my stories that I've tweeted out at the very top of my Twitter I have a pinned tweet with us the story that I did on Russell Westbrook about a week and a half ago and you could just click on that link you can sign up for $1 a month I believe it's for for six months and you you pay $6 to get six months of the athletic and it is a full subscription to the athletic it is everything it's you get my coverage ben's coverage david aldridge's coverage you get nba you get nfl you get you get everything everything that we cover you get this podcast ad free as well so you don't have to deal with me screaming at you to buy things in your ear you can just listen to wizards talk um so check that out you can just like i said you go to my twitter just check out the pinned tweet or or a recent article I wrote, and you can sign up right off of there, one dollar a month. It's it's a really great offer. Strongly advise doing it. I, there's some incredible journalists who I work with, uh, and I've been writing a lot lately, trying to get out as much content as I possibly can because I know this is a big moment for fans, it's the playoffs, and it's fun. And I try to, I always try to work hard, but I try to ramp up the amount of content output uh, come the playoffs just because you know, it's an important time. And I like reading about playoff coverage and more people are watching and I'm sure more people want to read about it. So I, I at least try to do that. And, uh, you know, as you can tell with the podcast, we're going to be doing post game shows after every single game of the Philly series. And if they win every single game beyond that, Ben is going to be on with me. He's, he's staying up late and podcasting with me after those, um, Subscribe to Wizards After Dark. Tell your friends about Wizards After Dark. Uh, go on iTunes. Give us five stars. Leave us a review. We'll be back after Game One. The uh, Game One is Sunday, by the way, at one PM. So we're actually going to be podcasting Wizards during light. It'll be so. It'll be. Uh, we'll change. We'll change two words in that one. We'll be back on Sunday. Either up after the game Sunday or up by Monday morning for sure. Talk to you guys then.